You're listening to the Mind Your Business Podcast. Today, you're going to hear from one entrepreneur who turned their corporate salary into their monthly income. This, you got to hear. Stay tuned. Hi, I'm James Wedmore, and with 13 years online, I've built my business to over $9 million in sales per year. And this is the first non-business business podcast that shows you how to apply the principles of spirituality, energy, and mindset to create true and lasting success all from the inside out. This is the Mind Your Business Podcast. What is up, ladies and gentlemen? James Wedmore here. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode here on the Mind Your Business Podcast. Today is a very, 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 very special case study edition that is so powerful, so important, so extraordinary, so inspiring. I just love it. It's my dear, dear friend, Laura Earnshaw, who has an incredible business, incredible heart, incredible vision, and an incredible mission. And what she's been able to do over the last six years, where she took this courageous step in quitting her very cushy, very safe, very successful corporate job with this whole idea of, you know, even if I could just replace that salary in my own thing, I'd be happy. Well, not only has she replaced it, but you're going to hear in this episode, her salary is now how much her business generates per month. And she's just getting started. When you start to realize that you have a business with a big mission, the revenue you generate allows you to fuel that vision, reach more people, help more people. And that's exactly what she's doing. Her story is incredible. The work that she's doing is absolutely phenomenal. I'm so proud of her and I cannot wait to see what she has in store for us. But who is Laura? She's the founder CEO of My Happy Mind. My Happy Mind is an award-winning curriculum dedicated to building positive mental health habits in children ages three and 11. Laura's obsessed with ensuring that preventive mental health strategies are understood and implemented in nurseries, schools, and in homes. She's created My Happy Mind after being shocked at the lack of focus on building emotional and mental well-being when her son started school and struggled with the transition. And she's going to share much more about that story in this episode. So she's made it her mission to bring science-backed techniques into the lives of parents, teachers, and children to be part of the solution to the mental health crisis we face with our young people. So Laura's a mom to two children, and she's a wife to one. <laughs> and when she isn't working, she can be found walking her dog and enjoying a glass of red wine in her yoga pants. So without further ado, let's play this interview with Laura Earnshaw right now. Ladies and gentlemen, today's special guest on the show, Laura Earnshaw. Laura, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited. I know you are. I'm excited too, because <laughs> I think we're going to get into a lot of really great stuff today, because basically like the headline for this is how you replaced your really nice, like cushy corporate salary as your monthly revenue in your business. Right. That's pretty amazing. <laughs> Did you think that that was possible when you said, I'm, I'm out, I quit? You quit, right? You weren't fired. I qu no, I quit. You quit. I wasn't fired. Um, no one would fire you. Yeah. I Did mean, God damn them. How would they dare? <laughs> um, and, <laughs> no, I, I definitely quit. And I definitely quit because I wanted to pursue a purpose driven mm. life. And I've been pursuing a climbing a greasy pole driven life. 
And I had a moment, which we can get into later, where mm-hmm. I was like, I'm not going to be that person anymore. And so I quit. And, and honestly, if I'd have been able to just make what I was making before, I would have been thrilled. Wow. At that point, it was about just being able to pay the bills. And now you're doing more than what you were making in a year, in a month. Yeah. yeah. Holy cow. In so the of the pandemic. Even during, yeah, all of this yeah. crazy stuff. Yeah. Okay. This is great. Tell us what you do now. So I help parents, teachers, and organizations to teach resilience, self-esteem, and positive mental health habits to the people that work with them, whether that's children or adults, um, through a science-backed, research-backed curriculum. Amazing. That's incredible. Yeah. Well, you're like, (laughs) I know. I know it's amazing. (laughs) What was your corporate, your past life? What was that? So I started out life in consulting. So worked for Accenture when I graduated from university and then went into corporate HR. So my last job before I quit to start this crazy mission, I was the global head of talent and development for AstraZeneca, who are a big farmer. So I used to work with the CEO and their kind of top 200 leaders to help them build resilience, leadership, et cetera. So I, I worked with Harvard for about a decade in bringing the latest science and research around those things into organizations. So I had that kind of psychology background in terms of working in organizations but yeah i took it in a very different direction when i started working with the four-year-olds <laughs> yeah was there a specific moment incident where you're like i gotta get out of here yeah yeah so so i was living this corporate life flying around the world doing all the things and um, my firstborn oscar started school mm-hmm. age four so they start school at four here and he'd always been quite a shy and retiring little boy, but just kind of in his own world, you know, everything was good and started school. And that was a real challenge for him. So became very anxious, very clingy, kind of grabbing onto my leg in the morning, didn't want to go in. I'd pick him up and he'd have these kind of heartbreaking mm-hmm. red bags under his eyes because he'd been crying for more of the day than he'd been smiling. And I went in to see the school and said, look, I, you know, I'm worried about this. It's been going on for a few weeks. It feels like more than just normal settling in stuff. And uh, their response was that what he needed to do was to develop a stiff upper lip and wow. maybe just man up a little bit. Oh, <laughs> he was four. I was like, what the? F- <laughs> I know, right? I was asking you if I could swear. Now you've done it. I'm uh, just disgust. Um, it's f- disgusting to me. Like, I know, right? And I know there's some kids that listen, so maybe they should be listening to this. But mm. that, that makes me so angry. Yep. And I'm sure it made you pretty angry. Like you knew then that that was like, this is not the answer. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I walked out. It was one of those moments where you're in in a moment and you're so shocked and flabbergasted that you can't respond. And then like an hour later, you come up with all these amazing lines that you wish you'd delivered in that situation. Mm -hmm. It was one of those moments. And so I kind of took myself off home, opened a a bottle of wine and started (laughs) to map map out all of the areas that I knew he needed help with. Right. So, I knew that he needed help with managing his emotions and having some tools to cope when I wasn't with him. I knew he needed help to feel better about who he was at his core so that he didn't feel so left out at school. And so I, I was kind of writing all of these things down because by that point I was like, sod it, I'm going to sort this out myself. Yeah. Obviously the school aren't going to help. And then I had this moment where I went, Laura, this is all grounded in the same science that you've been teaching these leaders for the last 15 years. Mm. It's just that they were like 40 year old plus pretty much always men. Yeah, and they probably take longer to learn it than a four year old. Right. Because they were so bloody arrogant. So, so it was like this moment of going, Oh my God, I've got all of this science so I can just teach it to him. Mm. And so that's what I did. And, and over the next 
six months he really came on like he's still shy and he always will be but he he really came on and developed these strategies and wow and it was amazing so the school then called me back in and they say oh how the tables have turned (laughs) oh yeah so they say so we just want to know what you've done to him I was like, yeah, what, what drugs are you giving him, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And I said, well, I've not done anything to him, but I've been coaching him through this stuff and here's what we've done and blah, blah, blah. And they said, oh, any chance you could share it with us? Wow. Because actually there's a few kids like him and we're not sure how to cope. Mm. And, and honestly, at that point, this was not a business idea. This was just me then. Back it's at, a mission. Back at, yeah. No, but I hadn't even made the choice then. That wasn't the moment that I decided to quit. Where are you in, you're in the UK? Yeah. Where are you in? I'm in Cheshire. Cheshire, Cheshire, which is about an hour from Manchester. You've probably heard of Manchester. Yes. United. Manchester United, of course. Yeah. 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 Ignorant American tourist. Ask me if I know somebody called such and such who lives in London. No. Because people always do that. No. friend. Yeah. Oh, oh, you know so-and-so, right? He lives like (laughs) 10 hours away from you. No, I'm asking, Laura, because is it kind of, I don't know how to start asking this, but like, is the public school system... Like they're really aggressive over there. Like, you know, there's um, like the Pink Floyd song, you know, like teachers, leave us kids alone. You know, that's the song. And like, it's like, it's like they got this soundtrack of like these yelling teachers. I asked because I had a fifth grade teacher. Mm. I'm not going to say her name, but because someone might know who she, she, knows is. Who she is. And she's, she knows. And she was from you now somewhere in the UK. She's British. Mm. And she was brutal. Yeah. She made a kid cry every day. So we, we, we just, we were fifth grade. It was fifth grade teacher. And we'd have bets every day who was going to cry that day. And she made a kid cry every single day. And so there was like physical, you know, like whapping you with the ruler and like, you know, ripping your paper out of your hand and just yelling, just yelling. And I think I learned late years later, I'm like, that just was the culture, I guess. I don't know. Is that accurate? Is that, is that kind of like, is that how you, know. what you grew up in? No, I'd have to say no. Okay. Like I, I think in general terms, the teachers are pretty nurturing here. I okay. think there's always one though, right? There's always that so, one teacher okay. in school. Okay. So it's I, not like I, a I universal think, thing. It's just, no. there's always one. No. I, yeah. There's always one. And I actually think there was, well, I know now looking back that their response was one of defensiveness because teachers in this country aren't trained to deal with any of these issues. So they're trained in how to teach maths and how to teach English and how to do this. They're mm-hmm. not trained in how do you build a child's self-esteem? How do you build their resilience? Like they don't, it's just not part of what they get taught. Yeah. So I think often when they have parents coming to them and saying help and they can't, they get defensive. It's like, all right, let's acknowledge that you don't have an area of expertise, but it's like, then stop giving bad advice and say stuff like, exactly. oh, we'll just develop an upper... <laughs> He's four. He's four. <laughs> like I'm looking at my four-year-old nephew right now and I'm like, yeah. oh, I would lose it if someone, yeah. you know, like, gosh, they're just discovering the world and they're so innocent and just figuring yeah. things out. It's like, yeah. anyway, so, but obviously I tend to become someone who is so optimistic as a oversimplification, but I have the ability to always see the good. And it's like, if this didn't happen, you wouldn't be where you are today. Oh, for sure. So that started happening. You started seeing results. Where was the moment when you're like, okay, I'm doing this. Screw the corporate job. I don't even care if this makes as much. So the moment that that happened was just shortly after this meeting with the school where they were like, oh, can we do what you've been doing? Um, I was about to board a plane actually to China and I got a phone call that 
I describe as like having a, um, a double-decker bus crash into me at a million miles an hour. And that phone call was to tell me that somebody really close to me had been what's called sectioned under the Mental Health Act. I don't know if you have that same term in the States, but essentially it means that they've been put in a secure mental hospital because they're at risk of, of harming themselves. This is um, an adult or a child? This is an adult. Okay. Yeah. And this adult like seemingly had it all right on paper. Yeah. They were a massive success. Great job. Happy married, three kids, private schools, two cars on the drive. And they had literally just cracked under the pressure of sustaining this lifestyle and, and had literally lost their mind. Um, it was actually visiting them in the secure mental hospital, which I went to do that night, which was probably the most traumatic experience or one of the most traumatic experiences of my life that made me just go, hang on a minute. Mm. If mental health issues can affect my little four-year-old boy who's grown up in a loving, happy home wow. with like, you know, background issues... And it can affect this person who's had a major breakdown, so kind of other end of the spectrum. It's like you were able um, to see into the, a possible future. Yeah, totally. <sighs> and I, I can remember the moment I was driving back home. So this person was in hospital in London. I was driving back home on a motorway at like one in the morning or something with a cold McDonald's on my lap. <laughs> and yeah. I literally went, screw it, that's it. I'm done. I'm leaving corporate. And I, <sighs> I knew what the name was straight away. I was like, I'm going to set up my happy mind. This is my mission. And that was it. So beautiful. That's awesome. Did everyone think you were crazy for doing that? Yeah, my husband asked me if I thought I might be having some kind of a mental health mm -hmm. breakdown. <laughs> yeah. You're like, I think I've been in a mental breakdown and I'm finally exactly. getting I'm sane. I'm coming out of it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so I do have to ask then. So, that, how long ago was this? What year are we talking about? So, this is, so I always do everything by my son's age. This is six years ago now. Okay. So, this really journey of that big decision started yeah. six years ago. Look, you and I both know, cause we've worked together for a little bit, like building a business is tough. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like it's a lot of work. How many skills have you learned in the last six years that you did know nothing about six years prior, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. But talk to me about that for a moment, like in, in all honesty, like don't sugarcoat anything. Like here's somebody who cracked under the pressure of corporate life, but then there's, there is a lot of pressure and work in a business, being a business owner, do you feel like you've replaced one thing for another or is it different? I mean, it's definitely different. I am in no way as much stressed as I would have been at points in my career, in my corporate career. And it's interesting you say I've had to learn a lot of things and I absolutely have. But mm -hmm. for me, actually, the hardest bit has been unlearning things. Oh, um, will you share? Because, yeah. Because I, so I'd always been this like straight A student. I was like graduated top of my class at university. I was promoted first in my rank, you know, da, da, da. Like I went, I was always good at what I did. I was always, you know, I always got the grades. I always got the promotion. I always got the pay rise. And so I, I had this, I guess, image of myself that if I worked hard, I could, I knew how to play the game. I knew what I needed to do and I would, I would achieve the result. And all of a sudden I'm like, okay, so I'm going to build a business. So I just need to do all these things and it'll be fine. Yeah. And I was like, oh, this is a whole different world. A whole different world. Um, I, tr I feel like I try to tell people that all the time. And I don't know if people are getting that. You like, absolutely do. And I, it's so interesting because I was reflecting, obviously, before we spoke on my journey and when I kind of met you and started working with you. And I can remember the moment you actually did say that was when I was watching the Business by Design course, which I bought first. And we were actually on holiday in Mauritius. And every day I would take you in my iPhone <laughs> to the gym and I'd be like doing my little workout. Yeah. And I can remember you saying all of that stuff. And I was like, yeah, yeah. But until you've lived through it and had some falls and had some 
screw ups and had yes. some rejection, I yes. think you don't, you've got to experience it, haven't you, to really learn it. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And that's why we just say like, I just want to push people into the deep end and let's make it messy. Yeah. Let's yeah. <laughs> flounder a bit and you'll figure it out. You got this. Yeah. So was, yeah, was there anything real specific that you're like, okay, I have to unlearn this, like this strategy, this way of thinking, this way of being is not going to fly. It might've gotten me successful in this area of my life, but not here. Yeah. I, I, it's, it's almost like I where to start because there's mm, so much of it. So much. But I think the probably the biggest thing was around this fear of failure that I had, which mm -hmm. I obviously spoke about when we were last together in LA. So I think I had been conditioned to think there's a right and a wrong. There's a correct answer and there's a wrong answer. And if you do X, you get Y. And actually everything that you teach and everything I've learned as an entrepreneur is that actually everything's just an experiment. Like everything's just data. So every action you take doesn't lead to anything other than what is it you say? The yeah, result that you the, wanted or the lesson that you needed? Right? Or the and lesson that, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. But that was so revolutionary for me because I think when you grow up in corporate and maybe when you're the type of person I am and I'm driven and I want to do well and I want to make an impact, if something doesn't go well, it's like, oh, shit. Mm. and you wallow in it and, and wow. it's a problem you know whereas this was like no you want the problems because that's how you're gonna exactly well better. it's like i have to imagine that in a corporate job you're following a path like sure. here's how to do this and, and here's the steps and here's the right way but an entrepreneur you're creating a path yeah and so yeah. people want a path on how to create a path and it's like that's like looking at a blank canvas and saying, can some, I want to create a work of art that never had been created. Can you show me step-by-step step how to create that? It's like, you can't, yeah. Yeah. you got to learn, you got to learn the brush strokes. You got to learn the principles. You got to learn how to paint. You got to learn about color theory, but then you got to go create your own art. No one's going to go do that for you, you know? So yeah, it's huge. It's a, it's a huge difference. So just cause you had six and that's, you get that a lot, that theme, right? Like, people that are very successful in the corporate world and they think all those skills thinking, you know, strategies just perfectly superimposes itself, transitions seamlessly into your own business. And you're like, well, bam, nope, <laughs> not so much. So, well, where do you want to go from here? Like, was it, I'm just curious, it's been six years. Like, was it like skyrocketing success immediately? Was, was it a bumpy journey? Like, where would you like to take us that you think would be valuable for our listeners? So I think the, the interesting thing for me in terms of the journey is that I think probably a lot of your listeners start with a B2B and take it B2C, or they start with a more of a traditional business and then they go digital, right? To get that scale. And I kind of went the other way around. So my first product, if you like, was for schools. So I was so determined to change the nature of schools that I was like, I'm building something for schools. So that's what I built. And then I got my first couple of schools and then word of mouth and then, you know, it, it grew from there. And, I and were you like a consultant in there? You'd come into the school kind of thing? No. So what I wanted to do was give teachers because I was so passionate about the fact that by now I'd realized it wasn't the teacher's fault. It was that the teachers weren't given the tools they needed to do their job. So rather than just going in and like fixing the problem myself with like a body of trainers, I was like, no, I want to fix the school. I want to fix the teachers. So I basically created this digital curriculum, which meant that the teachers could teach it in the classroom, right? So rather than me having to hire 23 million trainers to go and deliver it, it's just the teachers put it up on the whiteboard and they facilitate the class to the kids who they're just with anyway, so they can really embed it. That's the model basically. And then yeah. what happened wow. for me was that grew and grew and grew. And then I started to get families contacting me saying- Directly. Um, directly saying my mate's kid goes to a school that's got my happy mind. My school doesn't have it. 
and they won't buy it because oh they're really tight. Gosh. So could you just teach it to me directly? And that was when I got into working with you because I was like, oh, there's a digital product here. How the hell do you do that? Completely. So I kind of came at it the other way around. So, well, you know, and everyone comes around it to their own way. And mm. it's really interesting. Like I've heard, I hear all kinds of stories and beliefs like you, you know, have to do one way or the other way is perfect or anything. Like I created digital product before I ever worked with anybody in person. And I have a lot of people who say, you got to work with a lot of people before you start creating a digital product. Yeah. You know, it's like whatever's calling to you. So, yeah. um, and I think what, mm-hmm. what's, what's the feedback you're getting from your audience as well? Like I, you know, when people mm. are contacting you saying, I want to buy this thing from yeah. you and it doesn't even exist yet. It's like, oh, I should probably, I should probably create that. So, well, you know, and I love to tell, I love working with those people where people are already coming to you. Yeah. Cause I think all an entrepreneur is, is someone who can see something that others can't. So they see an opportunity yeah. when others don't. And I can't tell you how many, yeah, people I've worked with, like, like an example that comes to mind right now is Lisa Keeker, who is like one of our really like first clients when we started teaching our business by design stuff where she was a Pilates and like, like health studio owner and other studios from like all over were calling her and saying, how are you doing this? How are you doing this? Tell me. And like, that should be a really good indicator right now. If people are like Mm -hmm. already coming to you. So you saw that take us through a little bit of the digital product journey. Was it a membership, a course? Like how did, how did it look? What was your thinking behind that? I mean, it was really scrappy. So it was a digital course. And it was really cheap and I gave loads of value. What's cheap? What's cheap? So it was like £249. Pounds, mm-hmm. And for that, they get an entire program for the parents, like an entire course for parents, weekly coaching, and an entire program for their children for a lifetime. <laughs> I'm just like, I'm so happy we finally got to do this because things like this, like people don't know because I don't always share so much about myself, but like I have a real... I don't know what the word is, soft spot or just, you know, passion for our little kiddos, you know, mm. it's just pretty awesome that like you're able to learn some of these things and now you're just, you're, I don't know. It's like, you're, I don't want to like say it in a way that it almost sounds too ridiculous, but I do believe it. It's like, you're, you're changing the world because you're doing that, you know, because oh, it's needed. Like, I think mm. we're going to experience having more sensitive children on the planet. Yeah, and I sure. I think they need the things. I always asked myself that question growing up. I just always asked it. I'm like, I look back. I'm like, of course I asked it. What are our emotions? Why do we just feel the way that we feel? No one ever told me that. Yeah. No one sat down and started to explain how we like. There's no operating manual for like being a human. And it's like, what a gift when you see like anyone who's looking can see that there are more children today that are more sensitive, more empathic. You know, they just have higher levels of sensitivity. However you want to translate that it works for you than when we were kids, Mm -hmm. you know? So so I always look in trends too. I'm like, so do you think they'll continue to be more? Yeah. They need this. They need this so much. And so to me, it's just, it's amazing. It's amazing. It's amazing that this all started because it was a mission, you know, and then it can be something that's just truly is extraordinary. So did it work right away? Like, was it a so bumpy? I, so I built <laughs> really, really, so, oh, so the course, right? So the course. Yeah. So I did the course and oh my God, my first webinar was so bad. I mean, I cringe at the thought of it now. I'm sure it wasn't it was, that bad. Well, you haven't heard it yet. So the first <laughs> thing that goes wrong is 
so I have a VA and I said, Oh, can we just test the webinar before we like, can we just do a test to make sure it all works and everything? So we do it. And she's like, she couldn't hear me. It was freezing. They couldn't see the slides. She was like, check your broadband connection. So I was like, yeah, it's fine. It's like, you know, 25, whatever it was download. She was like, what's the upload speed? Cause that's what matters. And I didn't, I didn't know this. And I was like, uh, 0.5. She, she said, you need to be at least five. So I was like, Crap. So uh -oh. I got in my car. I drove so quickly to my parents' house because I knew they had really good Wi-Fi. So yeah. I get there just in time. I like chuck myself together. My dad's a vicar, right? My dad's a priest. So in my background, which I'd like so perfectly, you know, designed right. at my house. Now you have to throw that like out. Yeah. Loads of Bibles and stuff. So I was like, oh my God, people are going to think I'm so good. Anyway, so I get there, I do it. And then it just like my slides wouldn't load. There was a problem with the system, da, da, da. And then they lost sound. I mean, it was it was probably user error at that point rather than Wi-Fi, but six <laughs> people still bought. Six wow. people. And I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. Oh, so um, amazing. So yeah, so that was great. And then my last launch, which I've just done. So like fast forward, gosh, that's like four years ago. And I now have a couple of other digital products that I sell. So not just the main family's product. Yeah. Like the last one I bought in like 600 people, you know, which is oh, just amazing. It's so amazing. Are you only focused in the UK right now? So I have some international folks that kind mm -hmm. of end up... Is international include US or like Western Europe or everywhere? Uh, some like a little bit in the US in terms mm -hmm. of families, not schools. We're in over like 500 schools in the UK. Um, and we've oh, been commissioned by the NHS, which was a real moment. So the NHS is our national health service. So we have free healthcare in the UK. Um, so they govern all of the hospitals and they, they actually pay for our program now in schools, which oh, is my. really cool. This that is... was a real moment of like... This is really happening. This is happening. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So do you have plans to bring this more to the US and I'd love to. Yeah. Anything to get me to Laguna more. Right? And if you ever and, get us Brits back in. Yeah, I, I know. Like I, I can't promise stats ever. Right. I know. I know. I don't know if you want to come here. And Sedona. Come to Sedona. Yeah. Well, I'm excited you, about you have a trip. ticket to come here. I know, right? I'm super excited. You guys don't know that, but she gets to come to Sedona, Arizona whenever we're allowed to. That is, this is so amazing. This is so amazing. So I'm so happy for you. Like, I'm just, oh, you know, you. this is, this is really so great. I guess like, I'd love to know if there's any business or marketing tips that you think really made a difference for you and how you're able to now go from six people to 600. How are you able to do that now? Like, was there anything you know, people always love the tactical and stuff and, you know, you and I work together and it's, it's so much beyond that, but people like some bite-sized things. Was there anything that's like, whoa, just looking at it this way or doing this thing different, they just shifted so much. Yeah. yeah. And I'll talk about that in a minute, but I have to say first that it's so much about what's in your head. Like my, yeah. my entire transformation breakthrough, whatever you want to call it over the last few years has been because I was able to shift my thoughts mm -hmm. and focus on my success, believe in my success, lean into all the fears that I had about what if they say no, what if it doesn't go right. And I remember you saying at one of the retreats I was at that when you feel that fear, when you have that feeling of like, this feels scary, it's actually a sign because you go do it. And that was a real moment for me. And, you know, I really, really have hung on to that because in the past I would have walked away from that feeling. And it was like, no, that, that's when you lean in which again was just so big for me. But I mean, there's, there's been loads. I mean, obviously you teach us an incredible amount in your program, which all of which like I'm a good student. So I, I've kept that in my portfolio. <laughs> so are. I'm like, I do the work, I do yeah. the stuff. But I think 
the messaging piece has been really important. So just being really clear on the pain points of your audience, being really clear on that transformation and just obviously being a bit yourself, like being a bit authentic. At the beginning, I was definitely quite stiff and quite formal and quite, because again, that was my background. That was what success looked like. You don't fluff your words and you don't, you know, mess Yeah, up. so you're more like a news reporter than a right. human and I being. Can, yeah. And I know I'm good at that. I can do that. And so I was always like, that's what I need to do. And then I was like, no, people want to know who I am. And so now it's like, I can be a bit more myself. I can relax a bit. I mm. can have a joke and have a laugh. And that has really resonated, I think, in terms of me finding my people and my tribe because I've got the credibility, but I'm also human and I'm also a mum and I'm also, you know, very partial to a glass of red wine on a Friday night. (laughs) Of course. You know, people, people want to see who you are, don't they? I think. No matter what niche, I mean, like what a, you know, and this is a, a, I don't want to say a different niche, but it's, it's a niche that has a lot of seriousness to it. So even to say, you know, that to show your human side, uh, your personality, and like, that's a huge testament. Yeah. If it's still relevant in a very serious topic yeah. where people have a lot of fear and urgency and concerns, yeah, we all need to be doing that. That's really good. But I think what's interesting for me is that I actually learned that from you when I observed you coaching in hot seats. In fact, you did it to me once. And when there's like this really intense moment where someone's really like in the you know, they're really like giving you all their raw emotion. You just make them laugh. I mean, it's so bloody funny because it's it's so inappropriate in some ways. Yeah. But it works so well because you just remove all of that tension and you can you can always feel the palpable change in someone even when you're on a call yeah. when you do that. And so actually it's a really powerful tool even with this work because when yeah. I've got a mum saying, I feel like I'm hopeless, I feel like I'm a rubbish mum, I can't do this, I can't do that. And you can go... You know, you can just break that with some humor. Then you go, okay, now let's let's get back to what mm-hmm. we're going to do and move forward. But so yeah. there's there's been lots of things like that that I feel very fortunate to have observed from the master. Um, <laughs> well, I have a secret, and I don't tell anybody, but now I'm revealing it on the episode, so I'm going to blow my cover. But I have a secret when I'm working with anybody, and it's like my secret goal is to get everybody I work with to stop giving a. F- Yes. Like, (laughs) just begin to notice, like, how serious we take everything. You know, we create a goal or an outcome and then we make it the most serious life or death thing. Yeah. And that is exactly, exactly why in the breakthrough of the year, I found myself dancing on stage in front of 600. Do you want to talk about that? Because (laughs) I mean, I remember you were a little, I think you were a little nervous to go up. Oh, yeah. And speak. Very nervous. Yeah. You want to share that experience? Because that's like, I mean, it's the team Wedmore, like it's our favorite part of the whole show, you know? Oh, yeah. It's amazing. So I was very lucky to be shortlisted. I think it was 11 of us this time, I think, on the shortlist. Nine or 11. It was some odd number like that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't remember. And it was an amazing group. Like all of the folks that were shortlisted were. Yeah. And that's that's whittled down from like, I don't know, over 100 people. And then like. Uh, maybe f- I can't remember the numbers because memory here, 50 people submit a video and 60 people. Yeah. And then it's the top ones are voted on. So you were yeah, one of the finalists. Amazing. So I was one of the finalists, which was really exciting. And obviously I'm not American, right? I think people have probably figured that out by now. And wait, um, what? <laughs> wait, what? You're not. <laughs> um, can you give it, can you do an American accent? Oh, yeah. Oh, I have all the accents. I can do the Queen. I can do Australian. I can do American. Like, I'm the accent. Wait, okay. Order a cheeseburger in an American accent. 
okay, hang on. Because I was in my, in my head, I, I thought you were going to stay Australian then. So I was like getting my Australian ready and I was thinking, okay. You can do that too. Australians do. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I'm pretty good at Australian because what <laughs> I like to do at the weekend is go down for a barbecue by the beach and just go surfing. You just kind of add that little twing on the end. <laughs> You're just kind of like a little tail on all your words. It just kind of goes like that. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. You're good. At, you're good. Annoying, isn't it? After a while, you kind of want to just say to them, can you just stop doing that? <laughs> <laughs> but honestly, I love the Aussies. I actually lived in Sydney. For yeah, years, you're, so you're, they're, they don't love you right now. <laughs> no, they don't. But I do love you, I promise. <laughs> yeah, so anyway, so moving swiftly on, I was... <laughs> so it was really nerve-wracking because there were 600 entrepreneurs in the room and because I'm a Brit and because I was, you know, still very much coming through this, like going from stiff corporate to, you know, be yourself entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. It was a big deal for me to go and do this thing and tell my story on stage. Mm-hmm. In like what, four, what do we give you guys? Four minutes? Yeah. Yeah. yeah what a jerk. Minutes. Yeah. And I was also like in that moment going through a very difficult time personally because mm. my daughter, um, Bella, who is just turned seven, was about to have major heart surgery. <sighs> and I knew I was coming back to that. I knew like after the event, she was scheduled in for like four weeks after that. So I was like, I was, had, there was a lot going on for me at that point. It was very like emotionally charged. And I knew I was going to speak about that because I knew I had to speak about that because that was so much of a part of my story. Yeah. But I was also very aware that I was probably going to get upset. <laughs> so I was like, don't get upset on stage. So this, so, so my whole basically message, I think, I hope on stage was that my transformation has been around this concept of fear. And I stole from Marie Forleo when I said that fear for me used to mean fuck everything and run. Because every time I felt it, I would be like, I need to get out of here quick. Hmm. And that fear had moved um, on for me as, as meaning face everything and rise. And so, so every good. time you feel the fear, like you stand up and you go, bring it. <laughs> and so that was my message on stage. And so I said, my biggest fear when I first started coming to James's events was, why are all these people dancing and cheering when he comes on stage? This is really weird. We don't these do things stupid like Americans. Like, who are these people? What are <laughs> they doing? <laughs> and I told the story of at my first event, everyone was like jumping up and down and singing. And I was like, where am I? Like, yeah. where am I? Is this Where a cult? <laughs> yeah, is, is this a cult? So I've got your wonderful team to put in the background um, Dancing Queen on. And at the end of my my story, I, I said, you guys have to face my fear with me and dance in front of this crowd. And because you're all amazing and you're mostly Americans, you all join me on stage. Or, Won't you? It's <laughs> amazing because I can't dance for toffee. So yeah, but the reason all of that was so powerful for me was that I knew that I was, I'd created a business in which... I was going to be able to go and take two, three months off with my daughter as she went through and recovered from her surgery. That was just such a huge mm-hmm. moment for me because it's, it's about the impact, of course it is, but it's also about the life you can create and the freedom you can create when you take these risks, right? And you build something that's sustainable. So yeah, so yeah that was a pretty cool moment. That was so powerful. The audience obviously really resonated with it because then, you know, there's a lot on the line, right? Yeah. There's a bunch of cash money, and uh, a couple other things and people vote in the audience and they voted you. I know, right? Couldn't so, believe it. So Laura won our annual, you know, community, the community spoke breakthrough the year competition. That was pretty awesome. That was a real, that was, that was amazing. a real special thing. Yeah, it's yeah. very cool. That's I think everyone listening here, like, 
Yeah, I mean, everyone up there is, is amazing. Like, yeah, all extraordinary. So it's it's so hard. And I just laugh at the audience. I'm like, you guys are screwed. Like, how do you choose somebody? <laughs> but I think listening here, you can see why, even though each of them only had four minutes, like why so many people, you know, chose Laura. So it's been amazing to watch your journey so far. And I just get a sense that it's like, it's only the beginning, you know, with the work that you're doing. So it's truly, truly, Laura, it's been, it's been an honor to play a very small role in getting you lined up right, you know, to just (laughs) take off, right? Like tweak this, change this, think of it this, and then bam, off to the races. I know you're going to throw this back at me, but I'm going to say it. Probably. But you haven't played a small role. You've played an absolutely massive Mm -hmm. role. And I think as a coach and as somebody that stands on stage and talks to us as your community and as your kind of, as your people, you don't necessarily always know the impact you're having from the stage. And there's been a number of times where you've delivered some like major truth bomb and it has literally changed the course of my business. And Mm -hmm. I don't know if you remember one of the retreats, I was, at this, I was on the precipice of really scaling my webinar to be able to, to bring more people in and have more impact. And I said, and my conver- like all my numbers were good, right? So I was, everything was good. The conversion rates of the landing pages and of the Facebook ads, and it was all, it was all as it should be. And I, I was like, can it really be just as easy as putting more money into Facebook ads? Like, can it really just be that easy? And you went, yes. <laughs> James, like, James, you have had such a huge impact on my life. No I asked way. you a yes or no, no question. Can it be easy? And you said, <laughs> Yes. No. no Changed because. everything. <laughs> it, did. it did because then my next launch was massive. And do you know what happened the next day is I got a £250,000, which is like $300,000 yeah. deal yeah. for the UK's biggest nursery chain, Bright Horizons, to take on all my stuff. And it was just so, wow. it was like such a moment of going, oh my God, that's like the universe going, see, see, he said well, yes. And, and, yes. Well, no, it, it's actually more like this. Like you were already almost there because you have to be in that frequency yeah. to be asking that question. And so you're like, boy, this would be really easy. This looks easy. Could it be this easy? And all you needed was the last little nail to go, mm. yep. And yeah. you're like, oh, okay, that's what I thought. <laughs> that's what I already knew. And uh, if thanks- I hadn't have asked you that question, you hadn't given an answer, I wouldn't have scaled. Maybe. Yeah. I wouldn't. D- inevitably, it's all inevitable. So yeah. maybe by now. But yeah, I, I mean, and that's what's so funny. Like, yeah, it's like you were there. So <laughs> if, if I could just answer yes, <laughs> and that makes the difference. <laughs> but, but it's true, isn't it? It's true. Yeah. It's just, yes, because you've already done the work. You've been at this for mm-hmm. six years. And all the years in the corporate world where you learned all this stuff. Yeah. And, you know, that's a big thing that people don't realize is they're like, could it be this easy? It's like, what do you mean easy? How many years of your life have you spent learning and mastering and training yeah. to prepare for this effing moment? Yeah. It wasn't easy. Yeah. It can be now because you put in all that hard work. That's really why you can scale it. Yeah. You know, because it's worked for all these people because you've put in the work and now it's like, great. Now we just put this out in front of more people and you're doing that. And that's amazing. And you can continue to scale this. I mean, you haven't yeah. even scratched the surface. 600 parents. Pff, come on. Right. There's so many more people that need this. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm not trying to I, I am trying to downplay your success, but I'm at the same time <laughs> no, showing you. It's like it's just, yeah. it really is just the beginning, you know. And it feels like this. Like I, I mm. feel like. 
and, and you know, this is the other, I guess, the big thing that I've been able to do successfully, and this would be a whole other conversation, but in terms of the money mindset and the detachment and all of that stuff that you teach us, because I think that was holding me back at the beginning. You know, I was like, well, if I make £6,000 on a launch, that's that's what I used to get as my salary. So that's okay. You know, and I yeah. had this like computational thing going on of I need to make this to, for it to be the same. And now I'm like, it's not about any of that. It's about how many people I can impact and help. And then when you flip that switch, the money thing's almost irrelevant. But of course, when the money's irrelevant, it comes in and <laughs> that's when it comes because you're not focused on Isn't it. Isn't that funny? Life is, it's just, is a... It's just crazy. Life is a giant... Chinese finger cuffs. You know what those are? No idea. You have no idea. The Chinese <laughs> finger cuffs. No. Okay, yeah, yeah, you know, the little little toy where you stick your fingers in it and then when you try to pull it out and your fingers are trapped? No, have you lived your seen. entire life robbed of your Hong childhood? I lived in Hong Kong as a child and I've still never bloody heard. I don't think you had a childhood if you didn't have <laughs> Chinese finger cuffs. So it's a prank that you, in my life. You, you give it to your friend and you say, here, put your fingers in this. And they put their fingers in and then when they start to pull out, it tightens and they're locked in. Oh my God. I can't believe you haven't heard this. Everyone else has heard this, right guys? Come on, you've heard this before. So life is like a big game of, life is like a big game of Chinese finger cuffs, right? Because you're like trying to pull out and get out yeah. of the cuffs and the more yeah. you pull out, the more it tightens the grip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, you know, the way that you get out of the Chinese finger cuffs you is you, back in. you have to go back in. Yeah. You know, that's like life. Life can be boiled down to those Chinese finger cuffs. It's such a paradox. It really is though, right? It's like, yeah. as soon as I stopped caring about the money is when I started making it. Like, yeah, you're not the only person that's said that and had that experience. Yeah. So this has been, yeah, you just keep focusing on the vision. You just keep focusing on, we're helping more people. Let's keep helping more people. Yeah. Money takes care of itself. Doesn't mean <laughs> go be a reckless spender or anything like that, but <laughs> still be a responsible humanoid. But yeah, Laura, this has been fantastic. Is there anything else coming up for you that you feel like, you haven't gotten to share that you would like to share that would maybe make a difference or could help somebody who's listening today? I would just say to everybody, the other thing I'd written down some key things, the thing I'd written down was about finding a good community because it can be really lonely being an entrepreneur, particularly at the beginning and particularly when you're in this intense learning mode, which I think we all go through right at the start and, and you know, continue to, but I think those first couple of years are really intense in terms of learning hmm. and what's accelerated me and made me stay sane is having had this amazing BBD community or next level community to, to bounce ideas off. Like I genuinely have made lifelong friends in yeah, that group. Who, some good you know, people. Who just such amazing people, gorgeous people. Mm. And the ones who are listening will know who they are when I say that they've been a massive support to me. And that's really helped. And even though I'm in England in the middle of the countryside and most of you guys are over in the States, I still know that I can post in our Facebook group and I'll have like 20 responses within 10 minutes, yeah. you know? And so I think finding your community and finding support is so, so important. So whatever that looks like for you, go find it and invest in it. It is an investment to find a good one, but it's worth every penny or cent. Yeah. hundred percent or pound or, or pound. 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 Yeah. yeah. Dollar. No, yeah. That's the same. Whatever it is. Yeah. Well, thank you, Laura. Thank you so much. Where can we go to learn more about you? And seriously, if anyone here is just like, oh my gosh, I, I need what Laura has, like, please connect with her. So where can we go? So just at my happy mind everywhere. So on all the usual socials mm -hmm. and my website's myhappymind.org. There you go. Laura Earnshaw, thank you so much. And thank you so much to our listeners for tuning in. Appreciate you so much. We got more amazing awesomeness coming your way here on the Mind Your Business Podcast. Take care.
All right, cue the music. Look, you're an entrepreneur, which means you have goals, you know, things you want. But have you ever stopped and asked yourself, what does your business want? Or rather, what does it need? Because the truth is, the results you want are determined by the role that you fill in your business, the role that your business actually needs you to fill. And for most, that's the role that they've been avoiding, hence why they don't have the sales, the customers, or the audience they want. Let me show you how to actually run a digital business the right way, like the one that I was able to scale from three to nine million in one year. One that isn't a mess behind the scenes, that doesn't force you to work 14 hour days and still barely make enough. Let me show you how to step into the role of the digital CEO so you too can finally experience the rapid growth that you've been waiting for. Join us today for the free eight-part business transforming series that everyone's been talking about right now. Simply visit businessbydesign.net and let's get started.